0: And what happens to you may not have been your responsibility or your doing, but the healing is your responsibility.
1: My name is Will Small. I'm a husband and a dad. And for the sake of my family and my community, I want to be a healthy man. Images on magazines would lead me to believe that means having ripped abs and a good paycheck. But I'm not satisfied with that story. Are you? Join me and my guests as we explore the idea of healthy manhood in the modern world. This is the Mankind Podcast. How you doing my friends? It's great to be back with you. This episode is a follow-on conversation from last week's discussion with Jake Tumanako and Melanie Boydis. If you haven't listened to that yet, it might be worth hitting the pause on this one and going back to do so. Although you'll still get plenty out of this conversation either way. Last week, Jake and Mel shared some of their own stories of surviving, violent and destructive cycles. And it's so important to listen deeply to those kind of stories. But they can make us feel a little helpless sometimes, can't they? What I love about Jake and Mel is that they actually believe in our power to change and heal and write a new story So this episode is a conversation about what that actually looks like, to not just cope with what has happened to us, but to actually find the pathways that might lead us to a better and more whole version of who we are. So why don't you imagine you're in the room with Jake, Mel and I, bring your story, the good bits, the bad bits, everything in between, and listen to what these guys share, because I'm sure... There's something in this for you. Hanging out with these guys, chatting about, chatting about manhood, chatting about some heavy stuff, you know, domestic violence and kind of destructive expressions of gender. But actually hanging out with you guys gives me hope. Hanging out with you guys inspires me around how important it is to have real conversations, um, you've both shared stories with me kind of off the mic that are just so brutal that I kind of go, man, if I'd been through that, I don't know if I would have come out, you know, wanting to do the work that you guys do. And so I just want to say right up front um, that actually it's, it's people like you and your authenticity and your courage um, that actually makes stuff that could be quite depressing, inspiring. Does that make sense? Yeah, Thank it does.
0: You. Yeah, That's so kind yeah and Thanks. it's
1: it's the heart of this right like I, I you know I love the opportunity I have to be able to host this uh, this podcast and this conversation but it's not it's not just a novelty for me it's not just a podcast. It's kind of motivated by this deep desire. You know, I've got two little boys. Um, I feel like I'm just a little boy really in a, in a man's <laughs> body. Um, <laughs> but a man I want to give people more and more permission just to be real about this stuff you know in our last conversation, Jake was talking about how it feels like people wear a mask, Mm. and I don't think people have to. And I've seen people take their masks off, whether for a moment or for a lifetime. Mm. And I want to kind of have the kind of conversations that give people permission to take their masks off.
2: So can I? Yeah. Can I add something? I think. I think the that. I think you allow people for some sort of reason it, it, it you make them feel safe to mm-hmm. be able to do that and um and I think I, I feel like this this group of people like that I'm sitting with right here now I feel you know you feel safe because <laughs> because I mean like, like Mal you, you shared your story and that's courageous, right? And that, and when you share something and you're, you're the way that you did, um it, it Opens the door for 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 other people, but also for you for you. Well, like it, you. I don't know. There's something about you. you Just you just bring it out. Thanks, man.
1: That's very kind. I Mm. really appreciate that.
0: I'm feeling the love, guys. Yeah, this is uh, (laughs) feeling the love in the room.
1: (laughs) So good, so good. Yeah. For people listening that aren't in this room full of love with us, where do you find (laughs) that stuff? Or or how do we how do we make that stuff for other people? Can you think of times where people did things or or shared things or created environments that helped you to be more real?
0: I've got two contrasts growing up. So I've got the the fake safety and then the real stuff. So the fake sense of safety was actually when my inhibitions were lowered and I used to self-medicate with drugs as a teenager. Mm. So I used to party a lot more than I didn't. So I skipped a lot of school and dropped out in year 10 and moved out of home at 16 and uh, everybody around me was so much older and into partying and stuff. So I went to a lot of raves and a lot of nightclubs and did a lot of things that were well ahead of my time. I was always just trying to get life to hurry up. Mm. I was always looking to, you know, be an adult quicker. So I wanted to get married and I wanted to have babies early. Like I just wanted to be an adult well before I just – wanted to hurry up and get past the current phase of my life and I used to disclose some of my trauma to my inverted commas friends at the time um, only because I was high and my inhibitions were lower so I felt safer to talk about it. But in essence it wasn't really a safe place because those those people had actually no training or experience to receive that information to even refer me to get help about it. They just kind of heard it and thought, oh, that's really messed up. Yeah. Or, yeah, we should go, like, hurt those people. <laughs> 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 that was the in- yeah. instant response. Is like, oh, we should just go bash them then. So and this was from other guys.
1: It's a huge thing. Just yeah. just to quickly note, it's yeah. almost like you compromised for some version of safety. mm that met a little bit of your need. A little bit. But actually in a salt water kind of way, right? Like it wasn't mm. actually me. Like I need. felt
0: like I could talk, but it was probably more just because I was intoxicated. So it was coming out, so I th- I was under the illusion that it was like a cathartic process and I was like, oh, well, these people care about me because they're listening to it. But listening to it doesn't actually mean that they care about it. It just mm. means that they're they're listening to it. <laughs> Right. Um and it wasn't until I was an adult and started uh meeting other survivors and and people who have experienced different traumas and going to therapy, that was the main thing. Therapy is not a dirty word, mm. okay? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, honestly, um yeah, even just a lot of therapy <laughs> and meeting other people in similar, similar situations that were ready to receive what I was saying acknowledge the pain, share similar vulnerabilities in their own lives um, that I realised, oh, this is actually what a safe space looks like. I don't have to be high. I can be completely sober. I can just be myself. I don't have to pretend. I can look look how I truly am. My most authentic self came probably after losing three men in my life within 18 months. Wow. Yeah, so my... We lost my uncle, then my dad, and then my grandfather. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite, I think masculinity comes into that because there was so much social conditioning, even in my own family and patriarchal views of what I needed to be, who I needed to look like, how I needed to dress, what, how women act. Women don't have tattoos. I'm covered in them and I have purple hair. I did not look like this when they were alive because they would not have approved Mhm So it really got to the point where the mis- uh, not misogyny, but the, the masculinity and the traditional gender roles in my family were so ingrained that I couldn't be my true self while they were alive. Wow, yeah.
1: I love the contrast you just painted between like a, a place that appeared safe but wasn't really, mm-hmm. and then authentic safe spaces. I think that's a huge thing for people to think about because I know within myself, I know when I do things that are actually helpful and that actually help me to be genuinely vulnerable mm-hmm. and I also know that I have other coping mechanisms that are doing something, but they're not they're not actually dealing with the, the root cause of Just the surface wound. Surface level yeah. temporary band-aid yeah. stuff. How about you, Jake? Can you think of like authentic safe spaces that you found or maybe other versions of of like where it was maybe unhelpful
2: um the first thing that comes to my mind is my you know my my wife um you know she's a real safe space for me and i can you know i can debrief with her all the time about about everything um and same with her and so you know our home is as our safe space and um i feel like i can express really really i can take that mask off Mm-hmm. um when i'm at home but um there's been quite a few moments where i've i felt um safe um i i don't go to church at the moment but there was a time where my wife and i we went to church and um you know when i found god there was a moment there when i was like ah oh, this is amazing and i feel i feel this i feel like there's purpose and i feel safe to be me i could really take a to take a mask off then um and then there was also another moment as well where um, where I was a bit younger, growing up in New Zealand. I went to this. I did this course that was called Landmark Forum. Don't know if you guys have heard of it. No, nah. it was a big thing in New Zealand uh, about I don't know, seventeen years ago. Wow, uh, maybe 20, your age. 20, 20 years ago <laughs> or so. We did a he- heap of work, and and it was um, around, um, you know, finding out what, basically, what all those what all your issues are. You know, what all your things are that are holding you back and um it allowed you to wipe that slate clean and once we wiped our slate clean we're able to then you know figure out who we who we were and um yeah that was a big that Mm. was a big moment there for me um started me on a on a kind of a different different journey and i remember actually um at that point realizing that i didn't have a relationship with my dad so i wrote him a letter because you know wow my I couldn't talk to my parents. I just we didn't have that kind of relationship. I was the same. I used to yeah. write
0: letters to my mom. I even told her I was pregnant at twenty in a card. Really? I couldn't, wow! Couldn't even say it.
2: Well, I was seventeen, right? Yeah. When when I when my partner at the time fell mm. pregnant, and I remember telling my mum and dad. And my mum, I'm sorry. Well, I'm gonna have to swear. She <laughs> goes, "You stupid little bastard." <laughs> 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 and um, and then my dad said. Good work, my son. Got me a moko.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Well, it's gosh. completely different, right? Well, my dad didn't talk to me for a week. Really? Yeah, my mum ah. had my poor mum. She couldn't even drive. Apparently, she drove because she dropped me back because we weren't living there. I was living with the father at the time, and um, yeah, I think she just pulled over on the side of the road and probably had a bit of a breakdown. Oh, yes. And she was happy, but yeah. she was just shocked. Like I don't think she was mm. expecting that at all. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, you have your own vision of what you want your children's life to be like and this was not ideal and I'd only been with them for about less than six months. So it was very not what she was expecting to hear Mm. and then, yeah, my dad was um, in shock and, yeah.
2: Difference in culture, hey, because… Needed
0: to process it.
2: Growing growing (laughs) up in in New Zealand… I was terrified. (laughs) Oh, but you yeah. were—I oh, was yeah. terrified too. I, remember, I was terrified. Yeah, remember going through that and being very terrified of my um, partner's father because he was right into hunting. Oh, and so he had all these guns, <laughs> and, and you walk into a shed, you walk into it's a shed with all these pig heads and oh, uh, wow. deer heads and stuff wow. like that. and um Jake yours head. next, <laughs> yeah, 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 wow. right
0: above the mantle. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, one joke one thing now, I'm,
1: one thing I'm hearing uh, one thing that it's all making me think about is that we we inherit our traumas in the context of relationships mm. and then if we are lucky enough to experience the healing of those things, it's mm. in the context of better relationships, mm. right like so you know it might be a relationship with with a parent that's negative that leaves us with a bunch of trauma. Uh, but then what you were sharing, Jake, is that actually with your wife, you found this real safe space in the context of that relationship or in a church community or a community beyond yourself. And I think it's important to note, you shouldn't just expect a relationship to fix your stuff. You know, I yeah. think some people that that's setting you up for disaster, but there's something about relationships that are characterized by health are a huge part of breaking the cycle um, and, and not only allowing our healing but helping us to be part of the healing of others.
2: Yeah, they they provide that space. They can provide that space for you and you, you're right, you've got to be able to work through it yourself first um, but it, it creates that extra healing space, having those supportive people around you to be able to you know, open up about whatever's going on.
0: You shouldn't use people and manipulate people for your own healing, right? That's your yeah. that's your mm. shit. And what happens to you may not have been your responsibility or your doing but the healing is your responsibility, right? You've got yeah. to take accountability. Like I used to be so angry with the world and everything that had happened to me and I don't think people value um, healing enough and working on your own stuff. Like there's so much stigma around mental health and Even today, which just pains me in 2020 that people are still, you know, they don't openly talk about, oh, I'm just going to go see my psych. Oh, yeah, well, that's pretty normal. You know, if anything's wrong, you go see your GP when you're physically sick. But, Mm. um, you know, just normalising the fact that getting help is fine Mm. and normal and actually a really healthy thing to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is a huge thing. I feel like you just have stumbled into something I think about a lot. Some people, I think, out of their their trauma – Mm. And out of their pain end up going and trying to fix the world and getting a job that is in that space, but they actually haven't they actually haven't done the self work. Yeah. And you see this right? You see people that um, are in positions of power in, in helping roles, but they're still just hiding their own stuff. Mm. And I, I don't want to be a massive yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be a massive cynic about it but I think it's so important that we kind of think, oh, I've, I've got some stuff that happened to me so I can go out and help others, but maybe don't rush to do that. And I know that both of you guys have done your work. I can see that and have an ongoing process of doing your work. What does that look like? What does health look like for each of you? What are some of the things that actually do help you to continue to be uh, emotionally stable and kind of, you know, physically like we're holistic beings what are some of those things that help you out in those areas of health
2: yeah so for me i i hit the bush (laughs) i go for walks in the bush i spend time in the bush uh there's something about that for me um just um just being in the open space and um i can it's like a safe space for me to to reflect and uh i don't know i can feel the power of the bush, something's me in the too. bush for me. It's actually
0: right? called tree bathing or forest bathing. Is it? It's an actual thing.
2: Wow. So I'm a forest yeah. um, bather and um, maybe I could next time <laughs> I, I could take some CV. budgies or something like that. I could like to go forest bathing of with me? Why is he wearing budgie smugglers <laughs> in the bush? <laughs> um, and the other thing where uh, where I get a lot of healing from is in the water. So mm. if I'm in the ocean, I don't think about nothing Me too. at yeah. all. Um, I can just be in the ocean and be floating and all I can I can just I'm just there. Salt
0: water heals the soul, yeah. I swear. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm very much the same bushwalking, yeah, bobbing around. I call it barnacle time, because I don't really swim in the ocean. I just bob around. Yeah. <laughs> I just love to be in it. And um yeah, that's my kid free time, it's just nature.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. It yeah. Yeah. That makes me think as well that my, my default response is probably to try and fix every problem in my head. Mm. I'm very uh, you know, I live in my head and I do a lot of planning and forward thinking and problem solving. Mm. But there's something about getting into nature that's actually like I can't
2: figure this out by solving equations in my head. Just yeah. need not to a reconnect. Problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while I say that that's my that's when I'm when I'm healthy, that's what I do, but when I'm unhealthy, right, I can, you know, Uber alcohol, eats and Netflix, food, TV. Eat my feelings. Um <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, there's, there's heaps of other stuff that that can kind of help me, but, you know, really it's unhealthy.
0: It's all escapism, right? Yeah. Avoidance.
2: Avoidance. That's
0: yeah. back to what Mel
1: was saying before. It's those things that, and, it, you know, you can't blame people fully for going to those places because they mm-hmm. do offer uh, at least a distraction or a, a numbing of something.
0: Even so napping kind of, can be an avoidance. I didn't realise how much I used to nap and it was just avoidance. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to feel a certain feeling because I didn't know how to process it. For you. like when I was younger in my twenties and stuff, so I just used to, you know, write myself off on the weekend, yeah, or party until I was so tired that I would just sleep all Saturday yeah. and then wake back up and go back to the club and then party till the morning and then come back home. And it's just all an avoidance loop because yeah. I only wanted um, the positive feelings. I only wanted to feel really good and socialize with my mates, and you know that that stuff made me feel better. But then at home, like I didn't even realise how long I'd done that for in my life. It was just this big circle of chasing all the positive stuff and then just sleeping (laughs) through the rest of it so that I didn't have to think about it. But I was just running away from my own Mm. thoughts really, Mm. whereas now I confront them.
1: Which is brave and that's the thing. Like it takes takes a level of courage to actually go and do the stuff that is – ultimately better but ultimately better usually means temporarily a lot harder mm.
2: um mm. it's much more easier to sit there with a glass of wine than yeah it is to try work for to call a counselor and, yeah. yeah
0: talk about your shit for an hour yeah
1: very interested in these big invisible stories that we live out of and I think we have big invisible stories around masculinity but also just about individualism or consumerism there's all these big stories that um, tangle us up in some problems Uh, to me the solution is not just to deconstruct the negative story we can do that a bit and it's helpful but to actually reconstruct a better story So for you guys, just in the context of all the conversations we've had about this stuff and and particularly around um, the negative expressions of some hyper-masculine narratives, if you were to get like a whiteboard out and we were here just to to redesign manhood you know, for the next generation, we're going to release a a press release tomorrow and this is what manhood is from now on, Mm. what would be some of the things that you'd jot down or some of the ideas you'd want to have in the mix? How would you approach a task like
0: that? I think the most powerful value that I want to at least instill in my son is um, vulnerability because it's almost like it's the no-go zone of masculinity or traditional masculinity is that you cannot ever. They see it as, as weakness, right? So having feelings is weakness. Well, it's actually a pretty human thing is to feel things. That's how that's mm. the human experience, I believe. Um so the fact that that is almost socially conditioned out of boys as soon as you find out that you're having a boy mm. um that's just you know a ticking time bomb waiting to happen because what happens when you know adversity comes or trauma happens and you have a very human response but the first thing that anybody in your life tells you is to not feel that thing mm. Um, yeah, that also blocks out. I mean, the opposite stuff. It blocks out joy.
1: What, what do you think, Jake, about the whole idea of vulnerability and that kind of as a part of the problem, but also part of the solution? Got any thoughts about that?
2: Um, yeah, I do. And um, the, the way I see it is, is being able to verbalise your emotions, and um, yeah, it's something that I'm that I'm really conscious of with my with my son. Um, yeah, it's just dropping off <laughs> dropping him at, off at school today, and uh, we stopped for baby chino and a uh, and a Aww, long black cute. and um, he always gets a marshmallow and um, I said, oh, no marshmallows today because the sugar's going to make your mind foggy. <laughs> <laughs> and he got so upset. Can
0: someone report
2: Jake, please? Oh, and I was, I was like, <laughs> taking going, the marshmallow uh, away. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh. <laughs> because I told, the, I told the person at the cafe, I said, please, like, just say that the, the marshmallows out. have been run out. <laughs> oh, and no, you, the, the, the person that gives me the coffee <laughs> has got, like, baby chino has got the, the marshmallow on top of it and my son saw the marshmallow straight away. He's like, why can't I have the marshmallow? Anyway, he's crying and I'm like, oh. my automatic is like, oh, come on, I don't really need this right now. And then I'm like, okay, son, I can see you're, you're really upset right now. Mm. Do you want to talk about it a bit This more? is disappointment. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, I love that. I love that you, cause it, and, you know, anyone who's got young kids, mm. man, it's hard work. Mm. And it's very easy in that situation just to either go stop crying or have the marshmallow. Yeah. And yeah. either of those is like actually kind of what's easy in the moment. Yeah. But what leads to always having the marshmallow or never having like feelings. Yeah. And yeah. so I I love that you actually just acknowledged I can see that you're really upset right now. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it, man? That's awesome. Yeah.
2: But yeah. well, you know, like I I'm I try. Uh I'm not the best at it, but um, yeah, it's a it's a working my wife will say it's always a working in progress. Mm-hmm. Um there was there was actually something that happened recently. Um, I, I might have told you about this. And and I went to a McDonald's. We go to McDonald's quite a bit, actually. I, I was about, about to that. say
0: I'm not judging, <laughs> but you go there a bit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so we got this happy meal, and my son's got long hair, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they gave us a Barbie right with this happy meal. Uh, straight a away. Shooting. I was like, yeah, I, I I got instantly a little bit of anger came. And um, I was, and I was like, "Oh man, how dare they? How dare they give my son a a Barbie? Like, he's not my son's not a girl." Um, and then, and then I just kind of realized, it was like, "Why am I doing this? Like, mm-hmm. what does it matter? Like, what does it matter if he gets a Barbie?" And I was like, I just switched and just said, oh, "Okay, son, here you go. Here's your Barbie." Mm. And he was happy. Yeah, yeah. It was ha- he was happy. It was my stuff. It was society stuff that I put that we put on. Our children, mm. um, it, it didn't matter to him. He's just saw yeah. a toy. Social yeah. conditioning. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I've got very similar experience. You know, one of my sons, uh, he had long enough hair that he was constantly being confused for a girl. Mm. And I went through those feelings of like the discomfort of the confusion and the anger like this is my son and you will <laughs> see him as that. <laughs> and then I was like, what is up with me that I think that? And so I grew my hair long to try and say to him, man, it's okay. Like just yeah. you can man be whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had to cut my hair because he wanted to cut his hair eventually and I was like, you know, we'll do that in solidarity. Yeah. I miss the long hair to be honest. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting because there's a problem on both sides of that. Like the assumption that because there's long hair I've got to play the the feminine script is a problem mm-hmm. but then it's equally a problem when we go, no, you can't have the barbie. Yeah. So it's kind of like there's a, there's a problem on both sides of that. Yeah. So how do we build vulnerability? Like for, you know, all of us are parents. I'm mm-hmm. sure people listening, whether or not they're parents, like it's a huge question, right, if we're going to become more healthy. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: Vulnerability is okay. Yeah. 100%. That's where it's it It's a starts. strength. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Talking about your strength and self-awareness. Can I just say you guys both have really good self-awareness? I Thank you. I just want Thanks. to put that out there. I mean the fact that you're even um, noticing your own response to that is awesome and the fact that grown modern men can even talk about that is rad. So,
1: mm. Self-awareness is huge. I I'm guys. all about that. Self-awareness yeah. is, and I think, yeah, if we're going to talk about how we build vulnerability, um, the more we're in touch with self-awareness in any part of our lives, the more we understand. You know, you were saying before, Jake, you recognise that nature is healthy for you but then you've got your unhealthy mm. things that you do, whether it's alcohol or food or TV or whatever. That's a self-aware thing to know, okay, if there's more of that stuff in my life, yeah, mm. I've probably got some stuff I'm running away from or need to work through.
2: Yeah, And
1: to be able to actually look at your life and actually got, kind of look at it like a doctor's health chart kind of thing, like, okay, there's there's a pretty high amount of of just binge watching Netflix yeah. right now, probably higher <laughs> than usual. What's that about? Yeah. It's probably not just about the content that is on Netflix right now,
2: you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. I think another thing is um, the people you spend time with. Mm. Um, It took me a little while to figure that out. So, um, yeah, just, you know, like making sure that you spend time with quality with people who are going to build you, build you up.
1: You can take the mask off with one person, mm. makes it easier to take it off that in a small people. group of people, mm-hmm. which makes it easier to take off in a larger group of people. But it's probably you can't really do that the other way around, right? You got to start with the yeah. who's somebody that's safe before I can feel safe in a mm. crowd being yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mel, you do a lot of work uh, kind of just across the the gender spectrum as well, mm. um, kind of an advocate for people. Um, yeah. Beyond just simply man and woman, Um, and I know that you've also spoken about how, even in the household you grew up in, Mm. you actually saw what we would call toxic masculinity. Yeah, not just in the men. Could you talk a little bit about how, like, you know, Mm. just problematizing some of our simplistic ways of breaking this stuff up?
0: Yeah, um, one of the biggest things, uh, or the biggest misconception, I think, around masculinity is that it's only men. <laughs> so, masculine and feminine are ways to express ourselves, but it's not actually just a man thing or manhood or womanhood. It's just a way of expressing who we are. So, I, um, you know, um, there's a lot of people in the LGBTIQ community who um, may be female or present as female. Uh, or identify as female, sorry, and, um, but are rife with toxic masculinity and what that means and express themselves in a very masculine way Uh, and dominate people and it's exactly the same. So I don't even think gender is part of masculinity at all. It's very different and Jake and I have gone to university together and studied gender theory so we Mm -hmm. should have, I hope our lecturer isn't listening, (laughs) he's going to quiz us at the end. Um, But, yeah, gender is totally different to to how people express themselves. Uh, Yeah, and I think that's a good point
1: because... Uh if, if we're looking, sometimes I think people have this, people get defensive, right, around mm. uncomfortable conversations. And some, I think some men respond to this toxic masculinity thing and they're like, oh, it's just man-hating. Yeah, but no. when, you, when you actually um, show the complexity mm. in that way, that you're like, actually these behaviours kind of happen. Everywhere. Or everywhere. Yeah. And we need to talk about the, the problem of any kind of exaggerated Um, performance role rather than just whether or not you have a penis or a vagina. Yeah. right. And sex
0: is different from gender too. So that's a very new idea that most of society is trying to get used to, Uh, talking (laughs) to the dinosaurs that might be listening to this. Uh, But, yeah, just because you're um, born female or born male doesn't mean that you're going to be more feminine or more masculine or, you know, the sky is going to fall down if your son plays with barbies or does ballet or if your daughter prefers to be a tradie when she's older or ends up marrying her beautiful wife you know it's very we're trying to rewrite all of that stuff I guess and one thing Jake and I have learned through doing that course together is that it actually even starts before they're even born so Mm, I mean we had this discussion a bit earlier today that what's the big thing that happens as soon as you find out that you're having a baby what do people ask?
1: It's a boy or a girl. What
0: are you having? What type of baby are you having? What they're really asking is what's their genitalia? How am I going to treat them for the rest of their life? Uh, which what is,
1: colour? Like yeah,
0: what colour clothes? Present
1: can I buy?
0: Yeah. Um, just And that happens before they're even in the world. Yeah. Right? So that's how far it it goes back. Well, and all then you get the all the
1: advice that people, you know. I mean, I love raising or, boys, love all raising
0: girls. Ad- yeah. <laughs> advice you
1: haven't been asked for when you become a parent. Oh, unsolicited. But, you know constantly. all the stuff around. You know, oh, it's a boy. You'll be busy.
0: Yeah. You know, You're oh, be busy chasing oh, them oh, good around. luck when they're a teenager. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. And
1: um. And I, I think honestly, the the largest problems that we have, like if we think about, okay, the extreme of this is, uh people dying in domestic violence incidents or or anywhere leading up to that spectrum is the extreme end of it. suicide
0: too, yeah. Yeah. I really do believe that um, traditional masculinity and stoicness and numbing of feelings, not showing feelings, not talking about feelings, not acknowledging feelings is the biggest contributor to people who end up taking their own life like my father did because Mm. um, and my dad even used to talk about it with my mom, not with me, but um, he didn't actually want to end his life. He just wanted the pain to stop mm. and no one actually ever taught him that it was okay to even talk about his feelings. So even though he was in mental health hospitals and living there, and I mean months at a time, like he was there each year more than he was home. Mm. So he based, I used to just lie to people and say that my parents were divorced. That's how much he wasn't there mm. um, because he was living in a completely different place. And even though he was physically in the hospital, he still wasn't sharing what happened to him. So that was yeah. even in a safe one of those, you know, perceived safe environments. But he's still within himself. He grew up not talking about things. And so as an adult, he still didn't talk about those things and it just completely broke him internally to yeah. the point where, yeah, he was suicidal most of my life. Mm. Yeah.
1: So sorry for Thank that sorry. part of your story. Thanks. Yeah. You know what I was going to say before is we think about those extremes. Mm. We think about the the end of the road, so to speak, mm. and actually that doesn't happen with one dramatic – it's not like society decides let's, uh, let's do toxic masculinity or whatever. Yeah. It's actually all these very, very small seemingly innocent things mm. that create a system that people – kind of get trapped within yeah. and so you know again I'm not saying that if you have a gender reveal party then you're kind of you know uh, you're creating <laughs> that situation down the road but we should question the little things because it's the little things that add up to the big things mm. right there's it's, no such yeah. thing
0: as a boy and girl's color by the way that's a song by teeny tiny stevie's I love it <laughs> on the ABC and I I see, that's my jam I sing it with my <laughs> daughter and because I'm um, you know I'm grateful to have a boy and a girl, um, I'm very aware that people do. They treat my kids differently and um, I'm constantly reminding people that there's no such thing as a boy and girl's colour, there's no such thing as a boy and girl sport, a boy and girl toy, um, a and boy and girl hobby. You
1: don't need to have, You don't, I, <laughs> I only have sons but I know that people treat them differently based on their perception of whether or not it's a boy or a girl. Yeah, so you yeah. don't even need to have a boy and a girl right. to know that people treat differently based on their mm. expectations. Yeah. So it's, and there's the whole thing, right? Like people are living out of the story that, that has been the dominant story mm. and it'll be around for a while. yeah. But we have this opportunity, we have this moment where we can actually slowly pick up the pen and rewrite some of the parts of that story and go, it's okay for a boy to play with a barbie or have long hair. Mm-hmm. That's That's the tiny, small example, but at the other end, and it's okay for somebody who's got suicidal thoughts to actually open up and mm. say that I I actually am carrying some really heavy stuff. I'm
0: struggling, I need help.
1: And and that's it. Again, so what we do at the small level, you know, the permission to be upset about not having your marshmallow on your baby Chino.
0: Let them cry. <laughs> let your kids cry. That
1: is actually human. Setting, setting your son yeah. up to be able to be upset about complex mental health issues in the future or whatever it is you know or maybe even avoiding some of those because he grows up able to be real so what we do with the little stuff really matters well I think we might uh wrap it up pretty soon we've kind of solved all the problems and um you know (laughs) we're going to see a dramatic difference in society in the next couple weeks oh yeah um (laughs) on a serious note though I'd love to get both of you from from your perspective, from where you sit as the person that you are, what's the thing that you would want every Australian man, woman, person to know or to think about in regards to the stuff we've talked about? Like if you had one thought you could just plant in people's minds, what would it
2: be? I think. It's okay to be
0: vulnerable. Short and sharp.
2: Yeah. (laughs) It's a seed, I think.
0: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, feelings are normal and stop. I think we, as a society, people are trying to reduce people rather than build people up. So, I mean, the most common phrase is you're so emotional or you're overreacting or you care too much or everybody's always too much. I think we should just embrace that that's fine. Um, you'll be too much for some people and they're just not your people, right? But also just letting people have their feelings and validating them. Like feelings are valid. Mm. Yeah. And once we appreciate the feelings are valid, people can be more vulnerable, right? Because that's yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: it's okay to be you. Yeah. Yeah. Another seed there. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thank you guys so
1: much for for your time and for your vulnerability and your authenticity and, um, yeah, like I said at the very beginning of this conversation for being the kind of people that give me inspiration in the midst of some pretty dark and difficult stuff. We need more of that. Awesome. Thanks, Will. This podcast has been proudly brought to you by the Central Coast Council and developed by Lead by Story. Help us grow the conversation by giving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode around on your social media. I'd love to hear from you. What's your experience of manhood in the modern world? Drop me a message on Instagram or at leadbystory.com.au and let's have a chat. Catch you next time on Mankind.